0: Welcome and thank you for listening to this message from Legacy Church New Braunfels. To connect with us, go to LegacyNB.com. Now enjoy this message from Pastor Jay Miller. God. Um, also, things we're working on for 2023 is we're, we're going to be revamping even some of the, with our, our ministries. Uh, we know we're in a season for evangelism, so we're working on some training and equipping for evangelism. Uh, I know there's a bunch of you evangelists out there too, and so in fact we're also. If you if you've only come in the last couple of years, you wouldn't know this, but what we did pre-COVID is uh, the landlord uh, that owns this building also owns the car wash and the laundromat right next door, and for so for several years in a row we had did something called Love New Braunfels, uh, which is uh, where we would offer free car washes, free laundry for folks, and and not invite them to church, just invite them to hey we just want to bless our community. And is there anything we can pray for you in that? And so uh, we've got incredible testimonies of people being healed. I've got a picture still in my mind of somebody leading this guy to the Lord. And in the picture, you see this light coming down right on top of the guy's head as he's praying. It's the most profound picture I've ever seen. And it comes of evangelism. It's like it was so crystal clear. And in the moment, nobody saw it in the natural, but it showed up on the picture. It was so super cool. It's like this light right on top of this guy's head. And so we, we're gearing up for that. We really do feel like we're in a post-COVID season. I know the rest of the world and nation may not be, but we don't move by the world or the nation. We're moved by him, right? And so we're going to lead the way. We have to be able to lead the world and the nation into a place of, of what he's doing. And so so we'll be trained up uh, evangelists. We're going to be training up people in, in deliverance and in, uh, ministry how do we also pray for the sick? All those different stuff. Just be ready as we move into 2023. We really did feel like the Lord says green light. Time to, time to begin to do some of those things that we've always done that COVID almost to a certain extent put a pause on and now we're reengaging on that. So we're excited about that. Now with this, that being said, we're, we're coming the last couple weeks of 2022 um, and I just want to thank you again from the bottom of my heart. Uh, we closed on the land on Wednesday. So I want you to give a shout of praise. Yeah, um, I didn't want to just put it on Facebook and go, yay, God. I wanted to stand in front of my family and say, we, <laughs> we closed on some land together, and it was so magnificent. Now I can put it on Facebook and say our family has, but you always tell family before you tell the rest of the world. Amen. And so it's really, really cool. We're, we're going to be gearing up. We've already met with architects. You've seen some of the plans. We've been moving. We met with a, a contractor. We're getting all that stuff geared up. And it's your generosity and your giving. And more importantly, it's been your investment. Let me hear you say investment. That's the only way I can explain to people when they say, How often do you take up an offering? How often do you preach on giving or tithing and stuff like this? And I said, well, we take up an offering once a month, or if we have guest speakers, we'll take up a a love offering. They're like, that's all you do? I said, yeah, we've got a culture that understands that as you seek first the kingdom, everything else is added, which includes investment into the kingdom. And, and, that's, and that's what you guys have done. That's what others have done in this, in this this region. And we know moving forward, the Lord is doing a movement of kingdom investment. Okay? And so I just want to say thank you. So when you see this slide that says heart for the kingdom, we just want to understand we, we honor your gift. But we know you were investing in God. You weren't investing in a person or a place. You were investing in what the Lord's doing. And there was something that the during our pre-service prayer time uh, Chris Newton had, had prayed. She said, you know, Lord, we're not trying to build a big building or, or a big church, but we just want to build your heart, what's in your heart. And I'm like, yes. that." I mean, it's such a great way of, of, of communicating. Is like this is an investment, on what's the dream in the heart of God for New Braunfels and the surrounding region, right? That's what we're giving birth to. That's what we're sowing into. That's what we're going after. I'm not taking an offering right now. I just want to tell you. Thank you so much for your partnership, and be praying. Uh, it, it, there's a very practical side of it. If you're trying to finish up your tax season going in into what does it look like, uh, just realize that we're in the last couple of weeks, if you want to give towards the King investment, th- this is a, the perfect time to do this these next couple of weeks. Um, we will continue to raise funds specifically for the land. Um, so that we can, we can not just pay the land off, but we can continue that, that process of going towards building a building. Um, uh, it was really blessed this week to, to, to talk to a brother who had, um, in a previous season, had walked his church through. Uh, the finishing of a building campaign, stuff like this. And he gets hey, I'm going to share something with you that encouraged our people. And so he, he, he shared something with me that broke it down to, hey, here's the total project. You know, here's the number of years it'll take. And, and here's what it is per year, per month, per, per week, and per day, just to get perspective of what it looks like. And so the invitation. So we're going to be getting some of those things together so we can, we can really say, hey, guys, here's how you can invest right? Uh, if everybody working together does it, it really breaks it down, and we know there's good things happening. Now, before I preach and share the message, by the way, I just want to say I think the best preacher in the family did a fantastic job last week, uh, my beautiful <laughs> wife, yeah. She, she, she'll, she'll, she's such a uh, humble and quiet behind-the-scenes person, um, but whenever the Lord moves on her heart, I'm like, people need to hear your voice, and so i was so glad that she shared. I listened to it it was so good, and I'm excited about that. But this week, um, I was praying through some things, and the Lord says, what testimony are you going to let hang in the air? Very interesting phraseology that he said. I said, okay, what do you mean? He says, what testimony are you going to let hang in the air? Are you letting the testimony of what I'm doing, or are you letting the testimony of what the, what the world's going through hang in the air? And so I said, well, I want your testimony. And he goes, all right, then ask your daughters. And, and I said, okay, you know, on this thing. And, my, and so last weekend, we had our, our lock-in for our youth. And uh, when, I got, when Macy came home, she tried for two days to tell me, hey, you've got to hear, you've got to hear what, what God did that night. And I had some other things that were going on. I said, I do want to hear. I'm just not in the place to hear it. And then the Lord said, what testimony are you going to let hang in your head? I'm like, oh, I need to hear this testimony. Right. And then as if it was good for me, it's good for us. And so I asked her, I said, would you text a few of the folks that were engaged with what God did and have them share Sunday morning? Because we have a prophetic word that says, as the youth go, so does this church. And that's that's legacy, right? Uh, a wise man told me, legacy is not about what happened in the past. Legacy is what's coming in the future, what's being deposited and moving forward on that, too. And so, uh, so I had Macy text a few folks. Whoever you texted or be a part of it. Why don't you all come up right now? Six. <laughs> I'm just going to let you share.
1: Like, where do we even begin with this? Because, like, it was, like, 3 or 4 a.m. Oh, hi, I'm Macy, by the way. Um, (laughs) It was, like, 3 or 4 a.m. in the lock-in. And we just, this was, like, last Friday, I think, two weeks ago. And we just decided, let's just worship. We've done all the games. We've had fun. Let's just worship now. So we went out into that hallway over there, and Hunter got his cajon, and we just started singing. Um, We only got through two songs. (laughs) Hunter, like, just like says, let's breathe in his presence. And then we were all like completely wrecked by his spirit. And we were like, for three hours, we were on the floor crying and praying for each other. And that right there is real kingdom family. That's as real as it gets. And like, if you get anything else out of this, I just want you to know God is moving in this youth, in this city, in this church. And what happened at that lock in was only a taste of what's to come for us.
2: I don't remember it being humid, but it felt humid afterwards. <laughs> Hi, I'm Caleb, <laughs> yeah, it was just thick, very thick. It was like, yeah, that's all I got it was It was an awesome night. It was very awesome, very fun, yeah, that's all I got.
3: <laughs> Hi, I'm Sarah
1: <laughs> um.
3: And, yeah, it was so thick you could feel it all throughout the room. And my hands and legs were just completely, like, tingling. It was crazy. Yeah.
2: Hi, I'm Hunter. And like they said, (laughs) like they said, it was, I've never experienced the presence of God like that. That was, it didn't feel like three hours. And then all of a sudden we look and the sun's starting to come up. And we were like, holy, what just happened? And I don't, cry, I don't shake, I don't do much, but I shook for three hours straight. My hand was doing this, but at a speed I can't, I could have probably walked through the floor, like it was nuts.
4: Hi, I'm Camden. Um, last time I was up here, I was giving a testimony towards a girl's healing uh, back in summer of this Camden. this year, um, which completely changed my life, flipped my r- life around, and that was kind of the beginning of what Um, started at this lock-in kind of like a uh, almost an add-on to it. Um, All I will say is that there's revival coming, especially in our generation, and we're bringing so many children by God's glory into His love and teaching them who they are in Christ because there's, there's such an identity issue. I've talked about this before in our generation. People don't know who they are because, one, they don't have a father or they don't have a motherly figure to show them that love, so we're able to show them that through this and that night, so all of us got something that we needed. I got delivered and um, had generational curses broken off from my family that we've had for years. Um, <laughs> it, it was amazing. Um, just seeing it happen. We talk about it so much, like this is going to happen, but like when you're there and it, it's happening in front of your face, it's the realest thing. That's what makes me, I would give my life for that, to show each and every person the kind of things that I've seen. That's how real, how awesome God is, and that shows you how much Jesus loves you because he delivers you from things that you never imagined you would you would be delivered from. So if, if there's anything to pick up from what happened, I would say that he can get you and he can take you through anything. He can heal you from anything. It, even if it doesn't seem like it, I've seen a girl's flipping foot be healed <laughs> completely jagged. I just got healed from a generational curse that's been in our family for almost 100 years. You know, so he, he can do it. I promise. At the right time, Isaiah 60, 22, at the right time, he'll make it happen.
3: I'm Hallie. Um, Yeah, what Camden said. (laughs) But also, there was just so much releasing of identity in the room. Like you could feel that everyone could feel who they were in his presence. Like it was a transformation. Like we went in one way and we came out knowing who we were. We came out knowing that we were a daughter and son of the king. There was so much transformation. It was like I look in the mirror now and it's almost like I couldn't recognize the person that I was before because I knew that I didn't understand that before that night. It's just, it's so heavy with his presence and with his purpose, knowing that we got to grow in our relationship with each other and share our identity, but also that he can share our identity with each other through us to other people, show his love. it was intense, but I mean... God's intense. Yeah. So,
4: <laughs> hi, I'm Jacob. Um, so, I was expecting. You know, it was fun. It was really fun. I when I was expecting to go, I was just like, oh, it's gonna be a fun time, you know, Christmas and stuff. And then we we're like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna worship. I'm like, oh, okay. okay. So once when we started worshiping, I was not expecting what happened. Oh. Not at all. So that's why it was just even better. I fell on the floor the first time just the Holy Spirit just came over me and I fell on the floor the first time. And just that night really showed me how important, not just for us to have a relationship with Jesus, but for all of us with each other to have a relationship with him and talk to each other and really engage with each other. Because family, that's what really strengthens it, is moments like that as well. And it's just, it was an awesome night. And yeah, thank you.
5: Hi, my name is Eden. And when I was, when we were driving to lock-in, I was expecting it. I wasn't, I only wanted to go to like make friends. I wasn't expecting to uh, participate in anything or really enjoy it. But then we started worshiping and I was like, I'm so glad I came. I came for, God wanted me to come for a reason. And what happened was, and this has happened to me before, I've been shaking, crying, laughing. But out there, it wasn't even as dramatic as the times that happened at the church I was going to before and the youth I was going to before, but it was the best experience I've ever had and it was so freeing. And what happened was, <sighs> my first prayer quest here was that I would find a family with the friends that I made. And this experience helped me do that. And at the end, um, God said, I told everyone that and Caleb said, welcome to the family. And I knew that's uh, where I was, even if I wasn't close friends with these people. And some of them, I didn't know their names. I just um, felt accepted and free after all of that.
2: Hey, so my name's Jared. And it was two weeks ago, I think. It was your second time ever being here. Yeah, it was my second time. Um, <laughs> it was a it was a really cool experience. It was really cool because like when we were worshiping, it was like it felt like it was like two or like three in the morning, and like after we got out, it was like there was the sun was out, and it was like the whole world just like moved and like time just went, and we were just like in that one, you know. It was it was weird. It was like a like a weird experience, like having like it felt like you were just in this it's hard to explain but it was a really cool experience cuz like when we were worshiping it felt so short but yet it was like the time outside of what, when we were worshiping was like it passed like it was almost like days were passing and it was a really cool experience and for me personally like opportunity to just like let it all out and to breathe and also hanging out with friends and you know having that group that feels like family is just an awesome experience but Yeah, it was a really fun night, so.
6: I'm Raina. (laughs) Okay, sorry. I love these kids so much. And my heart is with them wherever they go every single day, even when we're not together. Um, I'm just praying over them and... Boring everything I have into loving them. And I know God would call me to do that to each one of them. So they're like, Raina, go ask Erica if we can worship. I'm like, you have to ask that, but okay, fine. So I'm like, hey, Erica. So we, we go up there. I don't know why, but I knew something was coming in my spirit. So I was just like, it's about to happen. <laughs> and, um, I was talking to Tina Cutler afterward and telling her the story because she didn't get to be there. but, mm-hmm. And she said, you know, those bonding moments, those experiences are what bond us together like family. It's not just that we're all here together, but it's that we're like of one mind. And then this experience, it just, they were closed before. I mean, they loved each other before. But now it's on a spiritual level and a supernatural connection. And I feel like super honored just to have been there and watch. It was so organic. And it just happened, and Holy Spirit came in, and he touched each person. And I got to watch, almost in the spirit, like his hand touch each person. And it was pretty magical, especially as a mom. I'm like, man, I... I get to watch this, I get this is what I've prayed for. For eighteen years I've been praying for this and I get to be here and experience it and I just feel super thankful to be a part of Legacy Church this this church and all of you
7: are an answer to our prayer. So hi, I'm Pastor Erica. Um, so they all asked if they could go and worship, and I was like, yeah, just take some adult leaders. So thank you, Hunter. Thank you, Raina, for being amazing adult leaders. What I love is that all my adult leaders I could trust to go and worship with the kids and p- fully protect them and guide them in things that Holy Spirit would say and not with a filter on. So I thank you guys for being amazing leaders. Um, but yeah, I thought that was awesome. My youth wanted to go and worship. That was not scheduled. It was free time. They chose. That's what they wanted to do with their free time. Um, so they went and they worshipped probably for about half an hour while I was still in here playing games like the sickest game of Twister, believe I. Um, and some stuff like that. And then I said, like, all right, let me go check on them. And I think I worshipped for about five minutes. And I felt a door, I heard a door open. I felt a door hit my shoulder. And I look and there's no door. And so I shut my eyes and I say, what was that, Holy Spirit? Because that's what we're learning, that when we don't know what's happening, you shut your eyes and say, what, what is it, Holy Spirit? And I saw Jesus open the door. There was like a water closet there, like, you know, like a water heater closet there. But I, would, I swear I didn't touch it. I, but I s- closed my eyes. I saw Jesus open the door and say, excuse me, they're calling me to the front. And I had been praying to see Jesus during worship. Like, I could kind of, like, see him and I dancing, like, and this and that. But I was like, Jesus, I don't want to talk about you like you're not in the room. Like, I want to see you in the room when I worship. And so I had been fighting for that for a couple of weeks. And I walk into the presence of where they're worshiping, and I hear Jesus say, excuse me, they're calling me to the front. Mm-hmm. And so I shared that with the kids, and things got a little crazy after that, um, but I thank you because they brought the presents. Because he says he's in the midst of your worship. He's in the midst of your praise. His throne is in the middle of your praise and worship. And so they brought that. And it was beautiful because I saw all of them prophesying and praying and just delivering each other. I was like, why am I even here? Like, Lord, I'm not even needed. Like, this is, like they got it. But I love it because Hunter said, well, you allow us to do this. So... And I'm so proud of each and every one of you because I can trust each and every one of you to listen to Holy Spirit and to speak what he says and to do what he says to do. I don't have to worry like, oh, no, they're talking out of pain. They're talking out of trauma. They're moving out of wounding. I know that all of you can hear what's your heart and what's the Father's heart, and I know you decide decipher that well. So I just bless you all, and I thank you that I have such amazing teens.
0: So here's what I want you to do is after service, find one of these kids and ask them to give you what they had, right? Just freely receive. We freely give it away. They've got something to give you, right? That's that's very unique. And when Erica told me that story, I just started crying because it's like, excuse me, they're calling me. (laughs) Revival's here, guys. We're not... It's not that God's going to do something. He is doing something. The question is, can you get your heart in alignment with what he's doing? It's an imitation. So I honor you guys. I love you guys. Y'all are my spiritual heroes right now. I'm excited for what God's doing too. So go have your seats. <laughs> So if you have your Bibles with you, I want you to turn to Ezekiel chapter 39. And this, is, this is a message that's been burning in my heart for, for a little bit now. I shared a little bit of it a few weeks back. I think it was at the end of Encounter Sunday. Um, just took a moment to, to to read through this, but the Lord's kept unpacking this. Um, I, if you're new here, um, hi, my name is Jay. <laughs> um, first week in November, we were in Redding, California at a Leader's Advance with Bethel Church, and I shared a testimony how we were standing on this bridge called the Sundial Bridge that spans over the Sacramento River. And uh, there's this testimony of Lou Engle who who has led prayer movements, um, he's led evangelism movements, things like that, and especially activating another generation to really press in for what God's doing next. And um, I'm not going to retell the story, just kind of give you the Cliff Notes version of it. Bill Johnson started sharing a story about when, Bill, when Lou Engle had called him uh, about a month before Bill's wife, Benny, had passed away from cancer. And Benny had written a book called The Power of Communion. If you don't have it, I encourage you to go on Amazon, grab it. They've got a really great leather-bound 40-day like journal that goes with the book. It's like $16. bucks. it will be one of the best investments you can make. And the Lord's been really moving my heart because we, we honor, we love communion. Um, we do things here because we've heard the Lord's instructions, and we're trying to be, walk in obedience in the flow of what God's doing. And so we typically take communion once a month together as a part of worship because we really wanted to highlight the important part of what it is when we come together and then we make communion available the rest of the week you can or the rest of the month you can always come up and do it and so communion's been burning in my heart already and so bill begins to tell the story uh, about lou engel when he came in and, and lou tells him the story he says bill i remember there's this place on the sacramento river where the water turns red, and at the place of where the water turns red, that's where the fishermen stand because that's where all the fish are actually gathered in the red water, the Red Sea. And he said, the Lord began to move my heart where I had this encounter that you've got to have Bill and Benny pray over you because the next revival is going to be a communion revival. And he says, when you hear the Sacramento River, you need to start hearing the sacramental River. That communion is not just a thing we do. It's a sacrament. It's, it's holy. It's set apart. There's an encounter. Communion is not about this remembrance that Jesus did something 2,000 years ago and he says, as often as you gather together do this in remembrance of me. And too often I think we can make that as, yeah this one time that one guy did this cool thing but does it still have an impact? And y'all know this. It does have an impact. But it's very easy to turn this into religion. Where we do it in remembrance of a thing somebody did rather than an ever-present expectation that what he's done is for me right now. That there's power in the blood. There's power in the broken body. Doing it in remembrance is saying, Jesus, I believe so much in what you're doing in this moment that I can receive what you're doing in this moment. Any brokenness I have can be made whole. Any hurt or pain can be healed, can be comforted. Uh, B. Watts, who's one of our elders, she's a a precious, precious woman. And um, she was talking about her husband, Larry, had went to be home with the Lord um, in January of last year. Or this year, I'm sorry. So it's coming on almost like in one year. And she was telling this story in Grief Share. She was sharing it. And the Lord said, he began to pour the wine, or the blood, into these hearts, these little tears that were inside of her heart, and it began to bubble up. And it was like hydrogen peroxide, and began to hear these little tears inside of it. And I just got that picture. It's like, isn't that what God does? He, he will take his blood and wash you and cleanse you, white as snow. What does hydrogen peroxide do whenever it hits blood? It bubbles up and it becomes white. This is cleansing. So I just want to tell you, there's something significant when we have a heart wound that about coming to the blood, when we have relational wounds. There's something about coming to the blood and being able to say, we've got something between us, but this thing is the thing that brings us together. Let's join together in communion so that we can actually take what separated us and bring us back together because he makes us one. It's been burned inside my heart. So I knew the Lord says, you need to begin to preach the week before Christmas, and we're going to do Christmas Day, um, and it's going to be a communion service. I believe God's going to do something that's going to be really unique and special next Sunday, that it's going to be a freshness, there's going to be a new morning that's taking place, because at the sacramental river where the water turns red is where we can actually catch the things that God is doing, the blessings of what God is doing. That's where brand new life comes in the place of the sacramental river where we stand together in the sacramental river and we allow what he's done to wash over us and it transforms us. We're in a communion revival. Over and over I've read these last couple weeks. Beloved, I give you a new commandment. Love one another as I've loved you. What a, st- what a standard. It's a standard of not human love. Because as my spiritual father, Jack, used to say, human love is always up and down. It's always highly conditional. It's in, it's out. It's not steady. That's human love. But the love of God, God says, it, the, the word says God is love. Not just he brings love, he gives you love. No, the very definition of who he is, his character, his nature, the very nature of everything is love itself. You don't know love if you don't know him. Even those who are lost, who've experienced good love because they have the goodness, they, they have the understanding, the knowledge of good and evil. So the lost world can, re, can understand and recognize when there's a good type of love, but that's not God love. Love one another perfectly, as I've loved you. How do we do that? We first have to come to the communal river and receive the love of God that makes us whole. So with the same love he's loving us with, we get to pour it out. We become rivers of living water that are flowing with the love of God. Why do we pray for the sick? Because we flow with the love of God. Why do we pray for deliverance? Because we flow with the love of God. Why do we prophesy? Because we flow with the love of God. What's He pouring out? What's He doing? People need to hear the voice of a good Father. So Lou just had this encounter with the Lord, and so we're we're standing in in Redding, California, and just that, that afternoon, we had stood on the sundial bridge looking at fly fishermen who are casting and catching fish as the waters is flowing swiftly, and all of a sudden, I realized this is a moment, and that night, I had a vision, and I'm standing on that bridge in this vision. Except there's not five fishermen, there's a couple hundred fishermen that are in the middle of the river, and every single cast, they're pulling in a fish, and the all and the wonder that's on their face, they're like, I've never been in a place like this. Literally, every cast is a trophy fish. It's like, it's coming in, and it didn't get old. I've been in places where I've caught a bunch of fish, like little ones, and it's fun for a moment, but you're like, this is kind of boring, right? It's like, no, every cast, they're like, can you believe this? And there was people on the riverbank, and they're tossing the fish so they could actually take care of the catch. As I'm watching this, Lou Engel walks up to the side of me, and I turn, and I'm like, okay, there's Lou. We're in the spirit together. And he points up to the sundial bridge. This is a bridge that's spanned up like a sundial. And he goes, I told you it was time. If you know Lou Engel, he's got this voice. He talks like this. It's time. And I woke up, and the Lord says, it's time. Isabel's words that came the next weekend began to resonate in my heart when she says, you've entered into a now season. Like now, 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 now. Behold, I'm doing something new. Now, now, now. These kids stood up here and they told you what revival looks like. Now, now, now. In the presence of God, now. They're set free. They're delivered in their family. Now, now, now. This is what God is doing. So he takes me to ezekiel thirty nine and at first it does not feel like it kind of is an encouraging word, but it's you know how many people know the bible's not p g like we 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 try to we try to soften it for kids and understanding and like things like that there's some things in this word that are flat out like it's graphic, and so I'm going through this and it's like Yes, there's a good message in this thing, but there's something, Lord, that you're wanting to do, and so he's been refining my heart. So I'm just going to read. If you've got your Bibles with you, I'm going to read through it all the way first, and then I'm going to come back and unpack it. Ezekiel 39. This, my, my title in this section from my, in my Bible says, uh, Prophecy Against Gog, Invaders Destroyed. Before we start this, how many people realize your battle's not against flesh and blood? We have to stop looking at people as our enemy. Right? And we have to start understanding there is a spiritual battle that will turn us against one another instead of towards one another. It says this, And you, son of man, talking about Ezekiel, prophesy against Gog and say this, This is what the Lord God says, Behold, I am against you, Gog, chief prince, and I will turn you around and lead you on a rope and take you up from the remotest parts of the north and bring you against the mountains Let me hear you say the mountains of Israel. What did mountains represent? This is the mountain of encounter. mountains were important. Bring God people to the mountaintop. This is where Moses, he encounters God on the mountaintop. The people of Israel, bring him back to this mountaintop. What did the enemy always try to do? Take the highest mountain and set up a place of false worship on the high mountains. And so it says this, God, uh, God is saying... I'm going to take this enemy, Gog, and look, you just have to change one letter in that. You've got a little g, God. He was a chief prince. What is that? He's a principality. Now, this was a real man. Can we understand this? But for our context today, we have to understand our battle's not against flesh and blood. There was a principality that actually was set up against the promises of God for Israel. Then it says this, verse 3, Then I will strike your bow. In your left hand and make your arrows fall from your right hand. You will fall on the mountain of Israel and all of your troops and the peoples who are with you. I will give you as food to every kind of predatory bird and animal of the field. It's not PG, is it? You will fall on the open field for it is I who have spoken, declares the Lord God. And I will send fire Upon Magog and those who inhabit the coastlands in safety, and they will know that I am the Lord. I said I wasn't going to unpack it. I feel like I'm supposed to unpack it. What is this place? Verse 4 You will fall on the mountain of Israel. Calvary was a mountain, it was a hilltop. But you have to understand Israel, Jerusalem, was built in a mountain, it was built in a place of encounter. This is Calvary. God led Satan to attack his son so that we would actually have redemption. Do you understand this? If if Satan would have understood what Jesus was about to do, he would would have killed everybody that was trying to kill Jesus. If He would have had an inkling. But God said, I'm done. Enough is enough of the enemy having its victory, death being the primary enemy. Like, Satan's not even the primary enemy. Death, separation from God, is the primary enemy to God's people. Because when you die separate from Him, you die separate from the goodness and everything you were created for. And God says, I'm not going to tolerate death having victory anymore. It's a chief, it's a principality. I'm going to take it down. And it says this, you will fall on the mountains of Israel. You will fall on the Mount of Calvary. And I just want to tell you, we celebrate that death, our final enemy, has been defeated for those who know Jesus. And it's time, what I hear the Lord say is, it's time that my people take seriously what was actually done on Calvary. We have an enemy. We have to be aware of it. Yes, but he's already defeated. Just don't re-empower him. It says, you will fall on the open field for as I who have spoken declares the Lord God, and I will say safety that they will know that I am the Lord God. What is this? The places the enemy occupied in your heart, in your mind, your will, your emotions, in your physical body, The, the enemy and his hordes, the way he's had an impact, the way that death or sin had an impact in your body, had an impact on your heart. The Lord is saying, I'm bringing that down. Not only am I killing the enemy, the impact he's had on you is going to be known. Why? Because I am the Lord God. Look what it says after that. I will make my holy name known in the midst of my people Israel. He's wanting to make his name, his holy name, his set-apart name, his precious name, his powerful name, made known to his people. What happened with these kids? He made his holy name known to them in the middle of what they were doing. Where they don't fear an enemy anymore. Because they know the one who will fight for them. They know who they've been made to be. They're in family. It says this, I will not allow my holy name to be profaned anymore. But the nations will know that I am the Lord, the Holy One in Israel. What is all ministry about? Make the holy name of God known. When the enemy comes to lie to you, what is he doing? He's profaning the name of God. You can you can chop it up to whatever the lie is. It doesn't really matter what's the intent. I'm going to profane. I'm going to make the name of God in your heart and your mind make you want to push back. What happened to Adam and Eve? Satan was trying to get them to agree with him. God really didn't provide for you. He didn't really make you in his image. He didn't really make you to understand what perfect goodness looks like. If you'll just eat what he told you not to eat, then you'll be like God and know. What was happening in that moment? The profaning of the name. Agree with me versus agree with God. And God says, "Uh uh-uh. I'm done allowing my people, the ones who have been called by my name. See, God's not an egomaniac. He knows he's holy. He doesn't have to prove it. But what he does want to do is those whom he made in his image who carry his name, he's going, when they're under attack, my name's under attack. My character is under attack. I'm going to come make sure my kids know that I'm good. This is what communion does. Look what it says, verse 6. Behold, it is coming, and it shall be done, declares the Lord God. This is the day of which I have spoken. Then those who inhabit the cities of Israel will go out, listen to this, make fires with the weapons and burn them both, bucklers and shields, bows and arrows, War clubs and spears. And for seven years, let me hear you say seven years, they will make fires of them. The number seven is so significant. It's it's worship. It's perfection. On the seventh day, what did God do? He rested. And what they're saying is, is this. Number one, what do we do in this place when we're taking communion? We take all the weapons that have been formed against us. How many people know that verse in Isaiah 54? No weapon formed against you will prosper and stand. How do you actually make that a reality in your life? You make it a sacrifice of praise. You realize you get to rest in the completed work of Jesus. I'm not working towards victory. I'm living from victory. I'm not fighting against an enemy who actually has victory. I'm actually fighting a defeated foe, and the weapons, therefore, that he's employing against me don't have a legal authority in order to be able to have fruit in my life, to prosper in my life. And so what do I do? When the enemy comes to say, ha, 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 I'm going to bring a lie towards you. I'm going I'm to turn somebody against you, all those different stuff. I'm going I'm to send disease to you. Remember, God didn't send disease. That was a consequence of the fall of separation. He says, when the enemy throws that your way, it's time to turn it into a sacrifice of praise. To rest in the completed work of God. For how long? Seven years. When are you supposed to stop praising? Never. Perpetual state of worship. Jesus opens the door in that hallway and says, excuse me, they're worshiping me. i come into the middle. What were they doing? Every arrow that had been inside the mind of them burned up. We think we have to get really strategic of how we pull stuff out. And sometimes we do need to have strategy and wisdom of how do we walk somebody through inner healing or, or whatever that may be. But let me tell you what. If we can just teach people to worship in his presence, the weapons of the enemy actually burn up. We're so worried about the fires of hell that we forgot about the fire of his love. I read something on Facebook. I don't read Facebook a lot. I just happened to do it today. And it says that the fire of his love makes the fires of hell feel really cold. How much do you know you're loved? How many people you in this in the last season you felt like you went through, and I and I can I don't even have to say. COVID was a crazy time. It was a couple years of craziness. What came out of it? Family and intimacy. What the enemy meant for evil? The Lord answered with goodness. I'm going to bring you together as a family, and I'm going to teach you how to be intimate with me. Let me ask the question. How many in this last season you felt like you've had some weapons turned against you? Worship him when we come into communion Jesus no weapon formed against me will prosper or sin why cuz even the weapon that was formed against me you've turned for my good and i lifted up as a sacrifice of praise the weapons turned against Jesus led to your redemption the weapons the enemy turned against Jesus come on this is a time to get excited led to your redemption. If no weapon formed against Jesus prospered or stand, what does that mean for you? Do you belong to Jesus or do you belong to the world? Then no weapon formed against you will prosper or stand. Do you hear what I'm saying? It's time for us to understand how important personal worship is. This corporate worship in here is beautiful. The kids went to a hallway. You know the instrument they had? was that little box that you can beat on. You know the instrument they really had? A heart that poured out. A spirit that said, Jesus, we need you. Their voices lifted up in your home, in your school, in your work. Learn to sacrifice and praise what the enemy's meaning for your evil. I'm going to read it again. Verse 9. Then those who inhabit the cities of Israel will go out and make fires with the weapons and burn them, bucklers and shields, bows and arrows, war clubs and spears. And for seven years they will make fires of them. They will not take wood from the field or gather firewood from the forts, because they will make fires with the weapons. And they will take the spoils of those who plundered them and seize the, splund- the plunder of those who plundered them, The declares, The Lord. Isn't it amazing that when you turn into this place as a sacrifice of praise, what actually comes is there's actually payback. There's plunder. Not only what the enemy meant for evil is turned for your good, but the things that he's stolen elsewhere actually is returned. Everything he's stolen is returned. And notice it it should have an effect is not just in here. We have to go out. Guess what? We as a church might come to this place and saying, yep, we know no weapon formed against us will prosper or stand. We're in this perfect place. Great. There's a lot of people out there who have a weapon that's been formed against them. They have no idea that Jesus has set them free. Where do we make the fires of praise? Out there. Why do we gotta go to the streets? Out there, because people have been have been overtaken by the enemy and the weapons have turned against them. And it's time for us to go out there. What's the result? It will turn it into praise. What's the result? That my holy name would be made known to the nations. Notice that I love Legacy Church. That was the name that God gave us. It was was to uniquely identify us. But guess what? I'm not looking for, for Legacy Church to have a profound name in our community. I want Jesus to have a profound name. If if, if the only name that's lifted up is legacy, we've got a problem. It's not about legacy, it's about him. Look what it says in verse 11. On that day I will give Gog a burial place there in Israel, the valley of those who pass by the east of the sea, and it will block the way of those who would pass by it. So they will bury Gog there with all his horde, and they will call it the valley of Haman Gog. For seven months, the house of Israel will bury them in order to cleanse the land. Notice the point of it, to cleanse the land. It's time for us to cleanse the lands of our cities, but the only way you can cleanse the land of your city is in the, when you cleanse the land of your heart. Notice the difference. The weapons burn for seven years. Gog, seven months. Once you take care of the weapon in a sacrifice of praise, it does not take long to bury the enemy. So often we're coming against like, well, it's the spirit of this and the spirit of that. And the spirit, I don't really give a rip. I don't. It may be beneficial for a moment, but what am I going to do? What's the impact then? That's the weapon. I'm going after that. I'm going to burn that. I'm going to take somebody's heart, turn into a sacrifice of praise. And guess what? Pretty soon, the spirit of Leviathan has been buried underneath the goodness of God. Cha! You hear what I'm saying? Perspective shift. Repent. Change the way that we think about what we're in. Bury the enemy. This means burning or burying the belief systems of the enemy. So get this. The weapon that was formed against you, you deal with. That was to actually trigger you to come into agreement with what God believed. Did you understand that Satan and all his hordes are only looking for your agreement? did you understand that God is only looking for your agreement? Who are you going to agree with? Galatians 2.20 says this, I have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. That's a big of. Most of your translations say, live by the faith in that's not the original language. You don't just put your faith in who Jesus is. You take on the faith of Jesus. What does Jesus believe? That's your belief system. What does it mean to have the mind of Christ? I think like he thinks. I feel like he feels. I believe like he believes. I have the mind of Christ. If It's no longer I who's standing here right now. It should be Jesus. And what should be coming out right now is Jesus. We use this all the time, saying, "If you squeeze an orange, you should get orange juice. If you squeeze a Christian, you should get Jesus." So, what are you going to do in the season right now? What are you doing in communion? I've already dealt with the weapon. Jesus took care of the weapon for you. No weapon formed against you will prosper or stand. Now, there's something for you to do. The re- maybe the living room re- of your heart that's starting to stink. It's starting to gather flies. And it's belief systems that God never had. It's time to bury those. It's time to, bury. it's time to deal with it. I'm going to believe God. What do I do when I do this in remembrance? I believe Jesus. Every word, every thought, I believe him. Well, what if I have a mystery, pastor? I believe God in the middle of mystery. I've prayed for people to be healed of cancer and have seen them healed of cancer. I prayed for my father to be healed from cancer and I saw him die. What do I do in that place? I believe God. I will not let Gog try to convince me that God doesn't heal anymore because I had an experience that didn't match up to the standard of who Jesus is. Bury it. Don't give it a second thought. Deal with your belief systems. Are your belief systems consistent with the faith of Jesus? This is what we're doing this moment when we take communion. I love what Kelly said. She goes, when we were talking about this message, I had to confer with the, 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 the most beautiful preacher in the family. And she goes, sometimes we used to believe something, but now... I believe God. See, what the enemy is going to sometimes try to trip you up is you used to doubt, you used to have fear, you used to believe different things, and you forgot, but now I believe God. You need to have some but now moments. How do you repent? I change the way I think after I encounter the belief of who he is. And then it's this invitation into family. When I'm taking communion, do I really believe him? Have I really had a but-now moment with God? Look at verse 17. They've cleansed the land. So get this. They've cleansed the land from the weapons. They've cleansed the land of the dead bodies. Verse 17. So as, as for you, son of man, this is what the Lord God says. Say to every kind of bird. I, let me stop here real quick just for context. Before he's telling Ezekiel, prophesy to the enemy. I forgot to mention that, by the way. Not only was he prophesying, hey, Ezekiel, let me tell you what's going to happen. He tells Ezekiel, prophesy to the enemy, you're going down. Let me tell you what, you have to get to this point. You don't spend a lot of time talking to the enemy. But I what you want to do is, this blood is the testimony. Enemy, you've gone down. You've gone wrong. The room you had in to me inside of it, it's no longer valid. You need to make a declaration. Now he turns Ezekiel to, now let me tell you what to do next. So verse, where was that? 13, 17, yes. Now as for you, son of man, this is what the Lord God says. Say to every kind of bird and to every animal of the field, assemble and come, gather from every direction to my sacrifice, which I'm going to sacrifice for you as a great sacrifice on the mountains of Israel, and you will eat flesh and drink blood. Kind of sounds like communion to me. It's a, how do you want to look at this? It's a spiritual feast. It's a spiritual feast. Prophesy into the spirit realm. Release the angels assigned to your life. Release, align yourself into this place and say, now I get to eat on what the enemy had intended for evil. I get to eat flesh and I get to drink blood. What was Jesus' most offensive statement he made in all of the New Testament? Unless if you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you can have no part of me. Why is that important? This is where we move all in. This is where we move all in. I'm willing, God, to move all in. And everybody else is going to think I'm crazy, but I'm actually partnering with your body. I'm actually partnering with your blood. What does that mean? I don't look at this thing as just elements that are grape juice and, and a wafer. I don't look at it as wine and bread. Whatever you, however you take it. Here's the point. I grew up Catholic. And the Lord began to challenge me. Now, I'm not going to get into all the theology but I'm going to tell you what, they had a supernatural faith that said the Eucharist and the wine turn into the literal body and blood of Jesus. Supernatural faith, like there was a legitimate faith that believed this. All I'm saying is this, what if when we took this, we were having an encounter, not with a dead thing, but we were actually having an encounter with the resurrected body. What if we were actually having an encounter with the DNA of Jesus? Blood identifies you. This is why those DNA tests are such a big deal. I don't know what the name of them are, but you can say I came from this and my family from this continent, this, this, and this, and this. Why? Because blood identifies you. Let me tell you something. You don't need to do one of those DNA tests. This is your DNA test. Because the you that was born into this world is no longer alive. You were born again as a brand new creation into a family that's unified by the name of Jesus. We have to come to this place. I've got one more. I skipped over it, but it's okay. We can go backwards, it's actually legal. Let me find where I was at. I'm missing to bury the, the human bones. There we are, verse 15. So we'll go back to 14. They will select men who will constantly pass through the land, burying those who were passing through, those on the left and on the sur- those that were left on the surface of the ground, in order to cleanse it. At the end of seven months, they will conduct a search. As for those who pass, uh, da, 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 sorry. As for those who pass through the land, pass through, and anyone that sees a human bone, let me hear you say human bone, then he will set up a marker Markerbite until the burial detail has buried it in the valley of Haman Gog. What's this about? We've dealt with the enemy. Now we've got to deal with our hearts. It's real easy to say, well, the enemy did this, and the enemy did this, and the enemy did this. Well, Jesus took care of the enemy. Now you've got to take care of your heart. Human bone, human flesh human perspective or heavenly perspective. It's time to deal with us. And what is this point? Family goes out. And sometimes family says, hey, you got spinach in your teeth. Sometimes family has to tell you tough stuff, say, hey, that was rude. What is this human bone coming out of the ground? That old thing, bones coming back out of the ground. Let me reconcile it with you. Sometimes we've picked a bone with people because we only considered him according to the flesh and we didn't consider him according to the Spirit of God that's already brought us one. And if the body of Christ is ever going to have the prominence and the voice and the culture that Jesus has intended, we're going to have to deal with our offenses with one another and family. We can no longer make accusation Without going to the person and say, there's some bones sticking out. And I love you too much. Let's talk. Let's reconcile. You're going to be gathering with some family probably over the Christmas break. Some of them are the outlaws. Some of the ones you're like, yeah, we'll see that crazy uncle. We see him once a year. We'll put up with him for a few hours. What if you changed and said, have this opportunity right now to love somebody? The Lord gave me this. What does that matter? When somebody's against you, what do you do? You go to them for the purpose of reconciliation. Notice the first step, you go to them. What's the next step? For the purpose, what's the motivation, the purpose of reconciliation? Next step, if that doesn't work, then you go to some people who have a voice of influence in that person's life. Not just your friends, people who have a voice of influence in their life and say, hey, this is going on, Why? Intention, for the purpose of reconciliation. If it didn't work, then you can come to the elders of the church. Why? For the purpose of reconciliation. The Lord told me, you want to make Matthew 18 more successful? <laughs> I'm going to use the word require. Yeah, he said he used the word require. Require them in the family. Take communion before you talk about a single thing that you're offended about. together with the person you're trying to reconcile with, you can't reconcile in the flesh on your own. Your bones will get in the way. But when you understand that they were buried with Christ, when you come into this place and say, He reconciled us, us who once were enemies of God, now have come into a place where we're friends of God. That's what communion is. So therefore, I can receive His love, And in this place, I can say, there's something here. Let's go to him and sacrifice a praise together and communion together. Why? Because we're being reconciled in this moment. And we're going to let the testimony of Jesus become the testimony between us so that we can deal with real things. I told you it was a heart thing. Jesus took care of the spirit. Our responsibility is to bring our hearts to Him. Amen? So if you have your communion with you, I want you to go ahead and grab it and start to prepare it. So here's the perspective. The thing that the enemy used to feast on was our disagreement with God and our division with one another. Now we're going to feast on our agreement with God and our unity with one another. Before we take this, Ezekiel 47, we're not going to turn to it right now. This is where we're moving into. In Ezekiel 47, it starts to measure out the temple. What was the temple? It was Jesus. What's the temple? It's you. Your body's a temple of the Holy Spirit. And it says water, rivers of living water began to flow from the temple. What's the temple? Your heart, who you are. There should be a living water that's flowing out of you. And the more it, you flow with him, the more it flows out of you. And the further away that it got from the temple, the deeper it got, the deeper it got, the deeper. It, what is that? The greater impact it had sometimes say, well, that just shows that we don't need church. Well, that's stupid. Because the moment we stop having church, the water stops flowing. And I'm not talking about this building and the service. I'm talking about communion with him, communion with one another. The moment the church stops being the body, it stops the flow, and then it will happen The, the what was going on out there, well, actually, the waters will recede. But when we stay in this place of perfect unity with him and with one another, here's the greatest commandment. Love God. With all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, love your neighbor as you love yourself. John 17, he says it, or John 15. This new commandment I give you, love one another as I've loved you. What are we doing in this moment? So in Ezekiel 47, it gets to this point, as it flows down, it flows down, and the result was it got so deep that it allowed a pool or a place where the sacramental river could actually flow, and it says, now stretch out your nets, because in that place you stretch out your nets, fishermen, suddenly there's going to be a great catch. Every sea of the great sea will actually be caught in that place. What is this? Every tribe, tongue, nation, every person will be caught in the rivers of communion. With him and with one another that provides a place for them to be caught for him. And it says, and on each side of the river that's flowing, there's going to be these great trees. What does the Bible call you? Oaks of righteousness that will rise up on the sides of the banks. And it says, and their fruit will feed the people and their leaves will heal the people. Where are we drawing out of? Our roots deep in the river of his love. We're going to see Our city, all of New Braunfels will be saved. All of this region going from Bolverde, Bernie, all the way to Seguin and beyond, that that wide of it, it will be saved. From San Antonio up to North Austin to Round Rock, it will be saved and beyond. But we have to come to this place of communion with Him first. Amen? Amen? So every head bowed and every eye closed. And I want you to ask this question, Holy Spirit. What are you saying to me this morning? Just take a moment and listen to him. If you're in this room right now and the Holy Spirit's saying, it's time to really know me. If you enter into this room and you don't know that you're born again, you've never received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. If you're watching online, you've never received Jesus Christ. This whole thing begins with understanding that Jesus died for you and as you in order to reconcile you through his resurrection and bring you back into the heart of God. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is my Lord. You believe in your heart that the Father raised Jesus from the grave. You will be saved. You will experience where the enemy once held death, once held victory over you. Suddenly, death is killed, and new life comes to you. There might be somebody else in the room, and you're saying, "I have been. It's been a long time. I've become a prodigal. I walked away from the Lord." but I'm here this morning. And you're about to have a but now moment. This is your but now moment. I did walk away, but now I'm coming back to the one who loves me. And when I take communion this morning, it, it's a coming home. It's a it's renewing and refreshment of my, my reception of the one who loves me. Where I'm transformed. Where the weapons of the enemy lose their power. Where the way the enemy has stunk in my life is finally buried, where my flesh is actually buried so I can live in spirit, soul, and body. If that's you, it's time to give your life back to him. Don't wait. You're not guaranteed another moment. For everyone else in the room, the Holy Spirit's been speaking to you. come into the joy of salvation. Take this seriously. That Jesus, by your broken body, by your stripes, the weapons of my enemy have been defeated. And in this moment, I take communion as a sacrifice of praise for what you've done. When I drink the blood I'm celebrating my transfer from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. I'm celebrating that I was once an orphan and now I'm a son or I'm a daughter. I'm I'm signaling to all that are around me that I'm receiving the love of God so I can give them the love of God that's perfect. So Holy Spirit, will we come to you Would you just come and make this moment supernatural? This is not just a wafer. We believe this represents your broken body and just as important, your resurrected body. When we drink this blood, it's a sign of a covenant relationship with you where your DNA runs through our DNA. It runs through our veins. And we will let the past be buried by the presence of you now in this moment. Would you bring radical transformation? I just hear the Lord say, for those that need a relational healing, hear the Lord say this, if God were to do a miracle today, would you receive it? If God were to do a miracle today, would you receive it? Because he says, as you receive me, you receive the miracle. So let's just together take the body of Christ. Would you just lift it up? Just repeat after me, this is my testimony, what Jesus has done for me. This is the testimony that will define my life. Go ahead and take it. Lift up the cup. This is your blood that was shed for me, that was shed for my family, going all the way back to Adam. I have a new family line, and I will live it out by faith of you. If you need healing, receive healing. If you need freedom, receive freedom, but drink the cup. I want you to stand up with me, and we're just gonna close it out in prayer. <laughs> it felt like this is what the Lord said just to do. Join hands. All right. I heard the Lord say, declare they are our Father together. So our Father, our Father. let's do it together. I don't, don't repeat after me, y'all know it. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Why do you all lift up a celebration of praise? Come on. Thank you so much for joining us as we seek first after God's kingdom and release it to transform lives and cities. If you would like more information about how to grow in the kingdom or connect with Legacy, go to our website, www.legacynb.com dot com